Aha. Quatcha. Yeah, it's the Overnightscape Central, and we're kind of going to the dogs this week. We're talking about man's best friend, the doggies. Oh, man. And as someone, I, I am an appreciator of the canine. I have never owned a uh, dog of my own. Uh, I've been a dog sitter and um, been around a lot of dogs. And I have, like I said, a, a deep appreciation for the canine being. There's something, but I could never be a dog's master somehow. It just doesn't seem to gel. I, I, I was more of a cat person. What can I tell you? But but doggies, especially as I get older, that there's an appreciation I have developed for the loyalty and and just there's just nice critters, generally speaking. I mean, yes, you can train them, and they do come from like wolves, which aren't exactly the friendliest uh, things. But uh, who could blame them, right? So I am Peaky River, and we're gonna hear this time around from. Overnightscape Central stalwarts. We've got, um, we're going to hear from uh, Dave in Kentucky. Yeah. And we're going to hear from Doc Slees and Chad Bowers and Frank Edward Nora. Yeah, it's a big one. So uh, plug in your ears, kick back, and uh, indulge in the dogness of this fabulous episode. And uh, as I said, we're going to start things off by heading to our favorite sermonizer, Mr. Dave in Kentucky. Thanks, PQ. Well... As I'm sure you know, I'm a cat person, not a dog person. But, you know, I like dogs, and I've had dogs um, throughout my life, you know, until I was well into adulthood. I uh, I had dogs as well as cats, but gradually I figured out that dogs just weren't smart enough to use the cat box. <laughs> I mean, you, you could house train a dog, but... You know, you you still got to take him outside and, you know, or, or if you train him to go on, on the paper, then you got to pick the paper up, you know, and throw his poop away and, and so on. But, you know, you don't even have to house train cats. They just know. They know that's what that box is for. Now, how do they know that? I think, I think, you know, that they... They they were genetically enhanced by the Anunnaki who brought them here on their ships, you know, to keep their ships free of vermin. <laughs> you know, kind of like uh, um, Ripley had the uh, little orange tabby, I forget what its name was, in, in Alien, you know. And I'm sure that was what that was for on that ship. That ship, I'm sure, was crawling with vermin. And, and I'm not talking about the big alien vermin. But uh, cats were worshipped in Egypt, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that was one of the, uh, one of the um, main points of contact with the Anunnaki, you know, because of uh, all the uh, artifacts that, that, uh, that they created there. Um, they had some sort of influence to, to do all that stuff that, that other parts of the, of the world didn't have at that time. Um, 
And, you know, they worshipped cats because they thought they were minor gods. And in a way, maybe they were. They were brought down by the major gods, the the, uh, the Anunnaki. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about cats. I'm supposed to talk about dogs. <sighs> now, I had... I had dogs when I was young. I had a little, one of those little ankle biter dogs named uh, Kippy. And <laughs> I was a kid. Give me a break. You know, uh, and then I had, I had a little brown dog. I can't remember what his name was. He didn't last long because we he lived on the, <clears throat> on the highway there and everything that, everything that we had that we allowed out, um, out of doors would get killed on that road. Even my dad eventually got killed on that road. <sighs> you, you see why I want flying cars? I mean, I know, I know it would, you know, we would kill a lot of birds, but, uh, you know, birds, we kill a lot of birds anyway. And, and the weather kills a lot of birds and Something causes those birds to fall from the sky. You haven't heard as much about it recently. I guess because people got used to it. It became less of a news story. But <clears throat> anyway, that's, you know, that's all I'm eating now is birds and fish. Well, I have, I've quit eating mammals. I've quit buying mammal meat. <laughs> I, uh, I have, I have eaten some fairly recently because of, uh, um, I had some, you know, in the freezer. <clears throat> so there's no point in wasting it. Uh, I'm not doing it for my health. I'm doing it uh, in solidarity with my mammalian brothers and sisters, <laughs> you know, because I started feeling like I was um, um, some sort of cannibal or something because I would eat things that were so similar to humans and they are similar to humans have you seen my cats on the on the exit ramp the way they crawl all over they love me uh, people think that cats are not demonstrative they're not emotional but you know they are they can be if if you give them love they return your love um, dogs love you no matter what Heinlein said that dogs were natural slaves, you know, but cats were free agents. And and they are free agents, you know. They can take you or leave you. Um and, but if you treat them if you treat them like if you treat them right, uh then then they will reciprocate. They're, they're kind of like a woman, you know. It's uh I I know. And I don't mean that, you know, the way a lot of people say, uh, um, you know, that they think all dogs are male and all cats are female. That's a bunch of garbage. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying that they, they will, they will, uh, give, give back what they get. But back to dogs, <laughs> you know, after that little brown dog, I had, um, I had a German Shepherd for a while. His name was Chris. And, you know, I'm still not, not coming up with good names for my dogs. But, uh, you know, I thought that sounded kind of German. I guess that, I guess it was spelled with a K. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, I didn't have a good place for him. I kept him tied out under a tree a lot of the time. I felt bad about him. I don't even remember what I ended up doing with him. But uh, um, the the dog that I had for the longest and that I cared the most about was a, was a, a Doberman named Killer. <laughs> I'm not good with names. I, I named him Killer. It, it was so unlike what his personality really was. He was just a a little sweetie. I mean he was he was a he was a big dog and he was he was uh tricked out like a like a you know like a Doberman with his uh his his ears and his tail had been clipped, trimmed, whatever you call it, you know. Uh my uh my best friend had had uh Doberman bitch <laughs> And she had a she had a litter and and he uh, he trimmed them all he trimmed them all up and and sold some of them and and gave me one. I think this must have been just after I uh, I moved back to Kentucky from from Cincinnati and got my job you know where I I met my wife Lisa uh, at, at work. And uh, I lived at a little place that was up on a steep hill, up on the side of a hill. And uh, it had a fenced backyard, and it had a shed in in the backyard. So you'd think it was it was a pretty good place for a dog, it, you know. But that that chain link fence that uh, that was around the backyard wasn't wasn't really high enough to keep him in, and I didn't. I didn't know about it for a long time. I think I've told this story on here before, but you know, I'll, I'll tell it again. Um, I would uh, leave in the morning. He'd be in the backyard, and uh, I'd come back in the uh, uh, after work in the evening, and he'd be in the backyard, and uh, and everything was cool, you know, as far as I was concerned until. Uh, until the neighbors told me, you know, they'd seen my dog running around in the neighborhood. And I said, well, must be some other dog because mine stays in, in the yard. And uh, and they eventually the guy told me he had seen him jump in that fence. And he would wait until I left in the morning. <laughs> wait until I uh, I went out to my van and... Uh, and um, uh, let it roll down the hill and pop the clutch to start it because I had a bad starter and uh, and go to work and then and then I when I come back in the evening park that car you know pointing down again so I could get it started <laughs> in the next morning when I was at work I, there was a little hill down there too that I could do the same thing on as long as I got there early enough to get a a prime spot and I, somebody didn't park in front of me that was going to work late I tell you, things, in a way, they're a lot simpler now, but uh, um, <laughs> kind of miss those days, too. But, you know, uh, he would he would, uh, he would would jump the fence back into the yard um, just before it's time for me to be home. <laughs> and he'd spend all day out in the neighborhood, you know, roaming around doing dog things. Uh, you know, and, you know, I have, my son was with me, um, at that time too. And, um, he, uh, 
I, I had a son, you know, from a previous marriage that that uh, aborted. <laughs> I mean, the marriage aborted. He didn't get aborted. Um, but he, uh, you know, he and a friend, you know, would roam that neighborhood too. And I didn't know, but um, there were these big cliffs that they would go and climb on. And if they'd fallen, they'd, they'd got killed. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention to my children and, and my dogs to know what they were doing during the day. And I, I would, you know, leave him at, at, at a park to play sometimes. And, you know, somebody could have snatched him. You know, somebody could have got him and, and abused him. But, you know, you didn't, you didn't used to think about stuff like that. Now, people, they've got to, um, or they feel like they've got to protect their kids because there's so many uh, perverts out there. And you just fell into a common parental fallacy. It's an interesting one, too, because when you were a kid, I don't know how strict you're... When I was... We could go anywhere, everywhere, up, down, and even places that were forbidden, of course, because we were free to go two blocks. Like, well, there was this magic wall that was going to stop us from going three blocks. Uh, kids ran around neighborhoods. Uh, parents weren't home, and they were in and out of whatever the parents had, including, you know, the projector in the porno movies, uh, anything that was uh, considered hidden, the liquor cabinets. I mean, this was just the childhood uh, in my day around where I grew up. And now, of course, you don't leave kids alone. I mean, I... I was, and we're supposed to be talking about dogs, but I did wish to point this out because this is something people fall into statistically to this very day. If a young person is going to get molested, you know where it's going to happen? In the home. It's going to be somebody they know, not some strange pervert at a playground or at so that ease your conscience, Dave. Sleep well in Kentucky tonight because you are a good guy and you allowed your kids to explore the world because what happens is, you know, we went out, we explored the world, we encountered things, we had to deal with things without letting adults intercede because then we'd get into trouble. And these are little situations that you learn how to deal with. It's part of growing up. What we have now is like 21-year-olds who haven't yet acquired that skill in dealing with strangers and the world. I don't know. Maybe I'm being pontificational, but I really believe that this strictness with kids and like, it's just, have you read their parents, they're in the house and the kid is in the front yard playing and that is considered abuse because the parents weren't actually in the yard looming over them just in case. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's very healthy. I just, you know, yes, bad things can happen, but bad things almost are inevitable. And it's more a matter of fending them off, dealing with them, than uh, just hiding from them, maybe. 
it's hard to say for me uh but what that has well dogs dogs yeah we're talking about dogs anyways dave yeah dogs but uh oh you are i decided i don't know if you're a zappa fan but in joe's garage he has a character called the central scrutinizer you are the central sermonizer oh i like that so much um yeah kids in the day were just like that uh and it's not something uh i did uh, the kids all grew up and they're fine you done good, Dave. And yeah, I, I'm calling them perverts. I mean, they they they're not minor attracted persons. They're perverts, um, pedophiles, um, worse than pedophiles. Pederasts is what they are. But anyway. Uh, uh, I'm sure people abuse their dogs too sexually. <laughs> they're uh, what are they? Uh, well, they're practicing bestiality. I don't know what the what the uh, the noun that would refer to the person that was into bestiality would be a beast. Maybe they're a beast. The animals are not beasts. Those people are beasts. But we were pretty innocent. Back then, back in the early '80s, you know, and it was—it seemed like a, well, in retrospect, it seems like a very innocent time, you know, uh, when Lisa and I started dating. After I, after I got my divorce from from the first wife, if she'd come over and kill her, you know, he didn't just stay in the backyard. He would come into the house sometimes, and he'd come in and and visit with us, and so on. And uh, he he had this little thing that he would do when Lisa would uh, turn her back on him. He would just nip her butt cheek just a little bit, you know. <laughs> Not in a hateful way, but just in kind of in a playful way. Dogs are smart. Dogs are smart. They're not as smart as cats, but they're smart. And they, they know what they're doing. And I, I hated it when... When he got killed, he got killed on that road too. And it was, I had taken him down to the farm with me down in southeastern Kentucky. And uh, that was, um, you know, when my uh, mom and dad were both still living. And uh, I, I was, uh, I don't know, I was doing some things that made me sleep late in the morning. And uh, I had put I had put Killer over in in the barn in a stall, you know. We had the the, the stalls had these little uh, wooden um, latches that that you could turn to hold the animals in. And uh, I put him over there in a the stall with his food and water and so on. And uh, I guess he got to barking too much, wanting out and. Uh, my dad and my son, my son was just real little at the time, decided they would go and uh, and uh, and feed him, give him fresh water and so on. And uh, they went over there and and and, and took his food and water. And uh, dad carried the um, the food and water in, told Zach, to, my son, to hold the door, and. Um, 
you know, he was just a little fella. And when he did that, Keller jumped against the door, knocked him back, knocked him down, and he rushed out, out of the barn, and he saw my van over in, in across the road, in, in the driveway over there, or beside of the driveway, I guess. I didn't want to block their cars in. But uh, he just took off running, and there was a car coming uh, up the road, and just, you know, smashed him. Hit him as he ran onto the road, you know, and busted their right headlight and part of their grill and so on. And they, and they were mad because he had busted their damn grill and headlight. You know, didn't care about the dog. Gave him my insurance information and so on. And, and, and a few weeks or months down the line, I got a notice to appear in court up in Ohio. These people were down were down there. Uh, I don't guess they were tourists. They probably had uh, there wasn't much to tour there, but they they probably had relatives in the area or something that they'd come to visit, and uh, they lived in Ohio. And they they you know subpoenaed me to appear in court, suing me because they had killed my dog, and it it damaged their car. I didn't go. I didn't didn't uh, notify anybody or or anything like that that I wasn't going. I just didn't show up. So I may still be wanted in Ohio. I don't know. You know, I still think about him sometimes. He's he would uh um when I was driving that van around he'd be in there with me. He would he would, of course, it had like bucket seats or or whatever. There was space in between the seat. He could sit in front of the in in between of the seats in front, and I'd be driving along. He would put his chin up on my thigh and uh, look at look up at me with his big brown eyes. You know, dogs just kind of adore their masters. You know, for some reason, no matter if, you know, they're they're kind of, what do they call that? Um, unconditional love. Dogs have unconditional love. Cats, you know, they're, they are um, discriminating. Cats are discriminating. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't. I don't mean that as 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 in uh, racial discrimination or anything. They, they uh, being discriminating is a good thing because if you're not a good master, well, heck, you're not their masters anyway. If anything, they're your masters. Um, but if if you're not if you're not good, you know, then then they they won't like you and they won't hang around with you. They won't. You know, get up and rub on you. They won't get up on your shoulder and, and nuzzle your neck. And and uh, and, and uh, like Laverne, she she still occasionally will uh, lick on my earlobe or maybe uh, kind of uh, tentatively put a tooth on it, put a little tooth in it or something. Sometimes I feel like she's trying to uh, pierce my ear for me. Maybe she thinks I need an earring. But anyway, she started doing that uh, when she was a baby because her 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 mother 
her and Shirley's mother had got had uh, had died apparently, and they found these kittens um, under a porch somewhere, and and took them to the shelter, and uh, we saw them uh, saw their picture online, and they were just all hugged up together, you know, and they 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 had uh, different names at the time. What, what did they call them? I don't remember what they had, what the what names the shelter put to them, but but we we uh, we originally were going to call them Lucy and Ethel, <laughs> but uh, we decided we better update it a little bit. The people wouldn't wouldn't get the reference, so we called them Laverne and Shirley because that was uh, that was on at the time. That was that was a good show. That, that Laverne and Shirley was a better show than Happy Days, in my opinion, far better show. But I started. I started telling you how she, how she how she got started uh, uh, on the earlobe thing. I think it was because she hadn't got enough enough of her mother's titty. <laughs> she and she, she would get up and uh, and um, and eye that eye that earlobe hanging down, and she th- she would think that that was something she could get milk out of, and and we you know we let her. Um, let her uh, suck on them for a while. <laughs> uh, Lisa did. It, it's a wonder that she didn't stretch them out like like uh, some sort of Ubangi type um, deformity. People say that um, when things get bad, you know that that uh, you better keep your dogs and cats in because the neighbors will be killing them for food and. Um, you know, eventually you may get so desperate that you'll kill them for food. Now, I think I would just kill myself first. You don't know what you do. I mean, I'm sure the Donner Party didn't know what they would do, but uh, I'm I'm not planning on eating any dogs or cats. You know, and I, I uh, I'm 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 trying to stick with this. Uh, um, polo pescatarianism. I, I call it polo. I've heard it say people say polo, but I I I, uh, I like the uh, the south of the border pronunciation better. Uh, polo is is horse hockey. <laughs> polo pescatarianism is is uh, people that uh, that ride around on horses and eat little balls and and I mean not eat little balls, hit little balls and and eat little fishes. So I wouldn't eat a eat a dog or a cat. I don't want to eat a horse, you know. Um, I know, you know, I may have done it unintentionally from time to time, but you know, I had a pony, had two ponies when I was young, and uh, I, I wouldn't have eaten them. Hated it when they were sold, but you know, I wasn't taking good care of them. That's my problem. I, I haven't been uh, conscientious enough with my animals, I guess. Some of them. I had one little little um, gray kitty that uh, it was just a kitten, and I had a, I had a big full beard at the time, big bushy beard, and uh, uh, I was living by myself in an apartment. This was when I was in Cincinnati. And it would um, 
<laughs> when I would lie back, lie down at night, and uh, it, it would come and lay across my neck in that uh, in that big bushy beard. I guess it thought that I was its mother. Thought that my beard was its mother, or it just you know just another cat that it could snuggle up to or something. Well, it didn't think that. It was smart. It was a cat. It, it was genetically modified. It was it was superior to our to our earthly mammals, other earthly mammals. But um, I went down to the farm with it, and um, I had I had to go somewhere, you know, for a while. And I asked my mom to keep it for me, and and she. Uh, she said she'd keep it in the house, but, you know, it started climbing her curtains and stuff and um, tearing things up. And she threw it outside uh, into the carport and uh, it stayed out there for a while. And then she ran over it back in the car out of out of the carport. It, it, uh, it evidently had... Got up under one of the wheels or something, and she she ran over it, and she couldn't stand to tell me. She got she got my sister to call and tell me what had happened. You know, everything dies, and everything um, except the ones that I've still got here in the house with me has has died, gotten killed, you know, mom and dad are gone, Lisa's gone, my son's gone, um, my sister's gone, um, all my dogs and cats that I had in the past, uh, besides the ones that I've got now, are gone, you know, they're good company, the ones, the ones that I've got, and I don't, don't plan on getting any more because I don't know that I would uh, be able to take care of them. I, I worry about um, what would happen to the ones that I have now if uh, if I, uh, you know, was to pass on like everybody else has, and um, and there wouldn't be anybody here to. Um, to feed and water them, and people might not realize that um, that they were, you know, left to their own devices. I don't know what they would do. I guess they'd eat my eyeballs out and stuff, <laughs> which, you know, they'd be welcome to them at that point. But, you know, Lisa and I worried about uh, what would happen if if uh, if we got killed in a car wreck? Because you know all of my people were were gone, and all of her people were gone, except for some uh, aunts and cousins that you know she didn't have a lot of contact with. And I've I've got some cousins that I don't have a lot of contact with either, but uh, I have occasional contact with a couple of them. One of them in particular. But, um, they you know, they don't live here close to us. They live off in other states and so on. 
but um, we worried about what would happen to them if we if we I particularly worried about this that you know when we would go places and so on I'd, I'd worry about uh, you know what if we had a wreck and nobody would know that we had we had those cats that somebody need to go in and and take care of them, get them out of there and take care of them, and hopefully do something with them other than just take them to the pound. <laughs> you know, so we had we had it written up in our wheels what to do uh, if if that happened. And because of this, because we had written that up when she died, I had to uh, I had to probate her will cost me like $3,000 for a lawyer to do practically nothing. I tried to do it, you know, by myself. And uh, the, the judge seemed to me like the judge almost intentionally misread the terms of her will. And I said, you know, well, she didn't mean that. That what she meant was, and she said, well, she kind of cut me off and said, well, that's not what it says. She said, I would recommend that you uh, um, get in touch with an attorney. And so I did, and I had them take care of it. You know, that they've got a racket. The damn lawyers have got a racket. The legal profession, the judges feed uh, business to the uh, attorneys. Uh, that they know, and 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 <clears throat> and and the the doctors the same way. Although I've got a good doctor, um, I think I have a good doctor. I've got a good good veterinarian too. Finally, but they're expensive. <laughs> I spend the money. On, on 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 my cats and I'm sure people that have dogs you know like Chad I know he's got dogs and uh, I know that uh, um, he's bound to spend a lot of money on those dogs um, but you know what else is it for I mean they're uh, they're they're members of your family well I've, I've rattled on for long enough and uh, I didn't mean to bum everybody out I just kind of I didn't know where this was didn't plan this out didn't know this was where this was going but uh, I enjoy my, my cats and if I had dogs I would enjoy them too although I would I would hate having to take them for walks you know if it was raining or something uh, or or really hot outside or you know that's 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 the thing about it. Cats are just so much more convenient than dogs uh, because uh, they can take you or leave you. And uh, that's about all I got to say on the matter. Uh, so I will uh, get off here now and send it back to you, PQ. Oh yes, walking dogs. Yeah, that's that's just the joy of most or. or when you do the yard thing cleaning the yard uh 
Well, that was a, that was a task that uh, I have done professionally. Uh, yeah, I took care of some Rottweilers in Santa Fe specifically. That was like an ongoing uh, house set when the masters were away. And uh, when the masters were there on a regular basis, I'd go over there, visit them in there. They had this huge fenced-in area, and I would uh, wander around and clean up after the doggies yeah uh, i'm sure there's going to be talk as we uh, continue this discussion of dogs with unconditional love that they they do i it's almost to me i mean it's a, for it, it, people crave that and it is to have that when you know elder and that of course makes them the companion animal uh that just that's i don't know there's something about it that i find i can't that they get mad at me if I'm messing up. Don't sit there and adore me. Uh, oh, 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 but yeah, that's it. And uh, the eating of dog, I have, without knowing ahead of time, uh, done that. Uh, I had some friends who thought that was funny, and it was one of their traditional dishes. Blah 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 blah. And afterwards, they told me, and I would if I know it. I probably, I mean, if I were starving, I probably could. But no, I'm not running out and eating dog. Uh, cow and pig are uh, a wide enough array. I don't even really care for game. Uh, it's just, it, it, it's gamey. I don't know. That's uh, I'm fine. Uh, at least at this point in time, the cow and the pig uh, are plentiful. At, at oh, chicken a little, and uh, there's some fish I'll eat. I mean, I'm not that exclusive, but uh, no, I'm not going to run out and eat a dog, which I have horse. Back in the '80s. I don't know why, but for a brief time, there were kebab on the streets. They used to sell, you know, the, what? well, now it's beef kebabs, but uh, they would uh, sell them. And they were allowed, and they said it wasn't like a secret, although I think before that, they might have been sneak horse meat. And I tried one, and it was okay. It was a little chewier, and yeah, it didn't taste exactly like beef, so I just never tried it again i mean it was a novelty thing ha <laughs> ha horse kebab la 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 but yeah only the best there was uh, one guy in uh, manhattan that uh, had the shish kebabs he was like all the beef shish kebab only the best oh he was great uh we went to him a few times and then of course they move around the city and you move around the city uh but a very memorable shtick and yep it's back in the i caught the tail end of like that sort of street crying sales um and yeah now 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 we get to the stuff dave was talking about the heavy stuff the losing pets and people and uh, believe me the last couple years especially even it's, it's it's happening this is the part of 
one's life that they don't really set you up for or prepare you for. There are no films exploring it except the most depressing, morose, or horrible. I, But, yeah, you look around and you think over the past few years and it's like, oh, they're gone and they're gone. And, yeah, you start losing people. And, yeah, like Dave said, every pet of myself and anybody else I have ever known, uh, pretty much except for the handful uh, that are presently wandering around. Well, it's we are fleeting here. Our uh, experience on this planet as uh, significant and uh, going on forever as we tend to feel it is in our moments, it's it's not so. It's just not so. We are very fleeting. And you never know what will happen tomorrow. So keep that in mind. I mean, there's no reason to panic. Because, uh, and the other thing, we, well, I, we, Dave, us Ansa guys have left this piece of ourselves. Uh, These programs that, theoretically will outlive us to whatever effect i'm not sure i mean yes they will be somewhere they may be posted online in repositories like archive.org or some giant permanent onsug or some form that has yet to be you know the chip you stick in a little usb slot in your brain and you live the onsug i'm not sure how that would work but Yes, that these are theoretically preserved. Um, and, and do they check for pets when there's like somebody's in an accident and like just uh, nobody visits them? Is, is there some that that's God imagine just I mean, yes, when you lose somebody and all that. But you, you just, just like me, I go out, I have an accident and there's a cat in the house. And I'm in the hospital, uh, unconscious or unable to... I can't tell anybody that there's the cat. Uh, Cheepers. Yeah, that'd be a lousy thing to come home to, coming home from an accident. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah. And with that, uh, thank you, Dave, for that... The pets really, I mean, when you start talking about companions and things that get close to your heart, yeah, demise and death uh, somehow sifts in through the corners. So no worries there. There may be more because if we start memorializing our uh, deceased puppies, oh, man. It, it's, it's a dog's life. It really is. And uh, to prove it, let us hand the uh, reins over to our friend, Doc Slees. Ruff, ruff, ruff. That's my dog impression. Ruff, ruff, ruff. That's my other dog impression. Ah, oh, dear. Yeah, man's best friend, supposedly. The dog. I'm going to be straight up here. I just... St- just simply don't like dogs. There you go. I've said it. I'm going to make myself unpopular. You know, as far as I'm concerned, the only good dog's a dead dog. You know, I'm sorry, but I just don't like them. Um, I have to contend with the bloody things 
um, on the street. I contend with them, particularly when I'm out enjoying the country, set out walking, whatever you get them. I mean, you know, they're little four-legged self-propelled shitting machines. You know, um, I know their owners are meant to clear it up after them with their bloody plastic bags, but do do all of them? Do they hell? And trust me, I mean, well, do that. We had a nice, pleasant walk in the country. You know, oh, Jesus, chemical, horrible little things. They really are, and are all big things equally. And the other, and that's the other thing I don't like about them as well. You know, often I'm out somewhere, I'll sit down on a bench or on a tree stump, some of mine, no, my own business, a dog walker will come past, or usually their dog precedes them. They haven't got it on a bloody lead. And the sodding thing, I mean, I'm minding my own business. You know, come and stare at me. They'll start growling at me for no good reason. I'm not threatening it. I'm not doing any, you know, for Christ's sake, you know. Bloody train your dog properly to have some respect. You know? If I was sort of threatening it with a large stick or something, which I probably should do, or threatening to kick it up the arse, which I should do, then it might have grounds to be growling at me. But I'm not doing any of that. I'm just minding my own goddamn business. You know, I had one once I was walking along. I had a bottle of water I was drinking from. And coming towards me was some bloody woman with a dog's bounding. Some bounding up to me. She said, oh, you've got better hide your bottle of water. Because, you know, he just thinks it's a game that this dog and he'll cry. I think, off, you know. <laughs> I can't walk around with a bottle of water for fear of other people's bloody dogs coming up and bloody grappling them off of me because they think it's a game and crunching them. Oh, come on. Train your bloody dog properly. I keep getting told how easy it is to train dogs. They're so intelligent. Yeah, really? Really? You know, come on. Bloody things. You know, they're pain in the ass. They really are. If they're not growling at you, they can bounding up to you and stick their bloody nose in your face. Oh, go away. Go away. You know, I'm sorry. I don't want to be slobbered over. I don't want to, you know, I've had and tried when I've been sat eating a sandwich or something. The bastards come and think, try and steal your bloody... Get, get out of here. The other owners think it's funny. Really? Really? You find it so funny when I kick you in the bollocks? You know. <laughs> yeah, laugh that off. It's my bloody lunch I'm eating. You know, train your animal properly. For God's sake. You know, and also I've been threatened by buying with bloody supposedly vicious dogs enough back when I worked for the court. I used to get that. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's the other thing. It's the kind, okay, but it's also, you get these bigger dogs, you know, they're, I don't know what they are, pit bull, that pit bulls, all that shit. That uh, you get these idiots who think they're hard men. And they have these dogs, and the dog is part of the threat, you know. Sit my dog on you, mate. Hey, hey. Yeah, I remember threatening once when his dog started growling. Oh, you shouldn't wind up. I said, I'm not bloody winding up. You know. The fact is, it's going to get a smack across the head from, you know. I'll use my dog dog for a while. I used to take a tyre. And I shouldn't have done this. And I shouldn't be admitting that I ever did that. I used to have a tyre iron shoved up my sleeve sometimes. When I knew there were dangerous dogs and the thing. And um, so that was 
that was my dog days. Because really, seriously, if one of the bloody things went for me, I'd just smack it over the, or, or I thought it was going to go for what any of the other people working with it. I'd have just smacked the bloody thing over the head with the tire iron. And I'll worry about the con legal consequences later, you know? Because actually, if a dog is off its lead and attacking someone, then you have every right to defend yourself because it's now a dangerous animal and it loses any rights and its owners loses any rights. You know, I'm sorry, you know, again, people will hate me for that. But yeah, I am perfectly, I was always, these days, perfectly prepared to beat a dog to death if I thought it was dangerous. You know, I don't like harming anything, but <laughs> there are limits. I'm entitled to defend myself. So yeah, luckily I never did get bitten. Um, I was actually issued, as, as we all were, with these official dog days. It's this ultrasonic bloody thing that's supposed to, the sound it's making is supposed to intimidate. I never found one that worked. Um, I used to try my, I mean, they were useless. Small, I tried it on the bloody kids on the estates as well, pointing at them, and it didn't have any effect on them either. They still kept being little bastards. Uh, cats could hear it. Didn't seem to bother them. They just sort of turned around and gave the accusatory look. That was you, wasn't it? Yeah, she tried to deny it. You know. <laughs> yeah, anyways, and, and yeah, I knew they didn't work on dogs. I mean, because I once tried uh, using a dog data on a dog that was behind a bloody wrought iron gate that was busy growling at me and trying to intimidate me, and I tried the dog didn't work. So I growled back at the dog, and that worked. That <laughs> seemed to intimidate it. As a tactic, I have used subsequently, if you growl back at dogs when they're trying to get aggressive, <laughs> they can get very intimidated by that when they, they realise you can put on this display of aggression as well. You know, I can do that too, mate. Especially little dogs. Because <laughs> they also realise that physically, you know, not only are you going to growl at them aggressively, but you're bigger than them physically. And I really could, you know, kick it up the arse and kick it into the, mid, you know, into the next next county probably. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I just don't like the bloody things. I really don't. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, you know, it's no good taking on the because you talk about if dogs are, are badly behaved, it's because they're ill-trained and that's down to the owners. And I say, well, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I still think you should shoot the bloody dog or something, you know, um, you know. By all means, destroy the dog humanely, but also shoot the owner, you know. Or even better, no, get, do the owner inhumanely. Get rid of them inhumanely if they're an irresponsible owner. Beat them to death with a sack full of bricks or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm sorry I'm not being unreasonable here. I just don't like the bloody things. Um, and as I say, it rather reflects on the people who, who own dogs as well. <laughs> of particular types. You know, uh, yeah. This from they don't train the bloody things properly. They're not that well behaved. Um, and I, I can just do without it. I'm sorry. I can do that bloody dog slobbering over me, trying to steal. You know, really, come off it. And ultimately, of course, you know, I'm a cat person. You know, you fall into these categories. You're a dog person. You're a cat person. And all these cobblers about dogs being man's best friend. Yeah, fine, they're my they're man's best friend. I'm a man, and the bloody things try and intimidate me and growl at me and try and threaten to bite me and God knows what else. 
not my best friend. Now, cats, you know where you stand with cats. They have nothing but contempt for the human race. You know, they are utterly contemptuous in <laughs> the, the attitude towards human beings. You know, it's simple as that. They can, they can be friendly and on their own level. They do like you in their own way at that particular moment in time. Uh, but they're, 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 they're nice independent animals. Um, you know, uh, you can send them out to eat. You can send them around to the neighbours to eat. <laughs> so I like red cats. They spend a lot of time eating out. Um, yeah, you know, they, that's what I like about them. They have their own minds and, uh, and they're not so needy. That's it. Dogs are so bloody needy. Oh, Jesus. You can't leave them on their own or they pine away and, oh, and all these cobblers, you know, you know, no, you know, cats are fine. They'd rather you buggered off somewhere, you know, and left them alone all day. Hey, you know, cats like being on their own. Clearly the superior animal. There's so much anti-cat propaganda out there, you know. Dogs are man's best friend and always nice and friendly in, in media and cartoons. And, you know, cats, oh no, they're witches familiars. Well, yeah, they might well be, but they, they don't actively go around attacking people. Well, not without provocation, you know. But generally, they don't. You, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid in this... I can't speak for, for anywhere else in the world, obviously. But here in the UK, hardly a week goes by without a story about someone, usually a child, being um, seriously injured after being mauled by a dog uh, or and often actually dying as a result of being mauled by a dog or dogs. And we're not talking about um, dangerous feral animals that have been bred for dog fights here. We're talking about animals that always describe, oh, it's a nice, it was, it was perfectly friendly, calm family pet. Then turned round and started attacking the bloody kids or whatever. Yeah, right. Very trustworthy animals. Uh, I don't see cats doing that. You don't get regular reports of cats doing this because they don't, you know? We don't taste good enough for one thing. You know, it's quite obvious cats. They've, they've decided that. Uh, you know. I'm sorry. You know, um, dogs completely untrustworthy. At least with cats, I know they're untrustworthy for me. Off. <laughs> you know? They lie, they steal, they don't care. Uh, they have no moral sense whatsoever. Cats are wonderful like that. They have no moral sense, no moral compass. They just don't care. Uh they're entirely mercenary in their affections. If it suits them, they're your friend. Yeah, don't keep this pretense like dogs do. I'm your best friend, well, until I decide to tear your throat out. You know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, man. I can see Pihu's not going to put this one out, is he? He's gonna this is too offensive. <laughs> Oh no! I just you. I'm having a good. This this is this may turn out to be the best part of the whole show, Doc. Uh, I admire a good dog hater. Do you ever see the scene in the W. C. Fields movie where nobody's looking and he kicks the dog, just punts it? Uh, just you have made very valid and strong points, and uh, I could go with a lot. And indeed. It's the pet owners. It, it's, it's not the poor 
inbred former wolf that we've made into this yipping chihuahua. It's the owner who doesn't feel it incumbent upon themselves to teach it to shut up when it's appropriate for anybody's pet to shut up or whatever it's doing that's annoying and yipping or biting or threatening or yeah just bark right back at them yep you got it um no this is this is gold and uh, we need more candor about such things i i am there i mean yes it's nice to have a companion animal but you know what you train the companion animal and yes you never know when that animal's gonna turn on you unconditional love oh yeah <laughs> no i just don't like dogs i'm sorry it's just one of those things cat person dog person i'm a cat person simple as that given the choice always choose the cat um yeah dogs are just you know I mean, you know you are the cat. I mean, basically, it will do its best to annoy you. It will leave its blood, shed its fur all over your your home. It will eat you out of house and home and then just wander off without a word of thanks. Um, that's what they do. Dogs, too deceptive. Pretend to be your friend and they're not really. Yes, is that, that wolf lurking under there ready to bloody attack you. Bastards. Um, yeah. Equally, I've never found dogs that intelligent. You know, they got always oh, really intelligent. They're really smart dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, most dogs I've ever come across are thick as two short planks. Um, they're far too blindly loyal at times. They can be blindly loyal to people. I say, as well as being needy, they're emotionally needy. They're blindly loyal to the point of stupidity. Again, in comparison, cat, <laughs> no way. Uh, yeah, as far as a cat's concerned, every everything it does involves the calculation uh, of what's in this for me. You know, very sensible. Because also the thing that militates, they say, oh, look what these things dogs do. You can train them to do this, that. They can, they can be guide dogs for the blind, um, be rescue dogs. So, yeah, that's part of their stupidity. You can get them to work for a living. You can't get a bloody cat to do that. Yeah. They say there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Well, someone try telling that to <laughs> you know, some of the local cats who come here and call me out of food. You know, they're <laughs> cats are far smarter. They don't work for a living. Uh, they do just enough to persuade you to give them something. But, you know, <laughs> you're not actually going to work, put any effort into this. Yeah, yeah. Not smart at all, dogs. Not smart at all. Um... Yeah, so the big ones I, I find are either slobbering all over you or being aggressive and threatening. Small dogs are horrible and yappy and aggressive and threatening. I remember a colleague having his ankle bit when right he tore his bloody sock of a lot worked by some little bastard of a tiny dog, you know. There you go. Um, but yeah. No, so I don't like dogs, as simple as that. I just don't like the bloody things. Um, the problem is, the damn thing's like me. I can guarantee if I'm sat in a pub and someone has a dog, the bloody thing will come over to me. You know, 
and you know give me that look and everything expect me to be its friend and you know oh I can they come up to me on the street and whatever and you know they, they you know expect me to pack them and whatever uh, <laughs> it's this thing is because they know that's what they do have in common with cats I find they know a soft touch from this. They know what the reality is. Unless I'm actually threatened by a bloody dog, I'm not actually going to do anything. I'm not going to be unpleasant or cruel to them, joking aside of about the only good dog's a dead dog, etc. Leaving all that aside, I'm not going to do anything, you know. Say so dogs, cats, small children equally um, seem to know I'm a soft touch who won't actually do anything. Um, I'm safe to approach. <laughs> it's, you know, safe to approach. In the case of Smorshin, safe to approach and engage in conversation. Um, you know, I don't know why they think I'm, I, you know, and as I got older, it's got worse. You know, I don't know why small children think I wish to engage them in conversation. It's not as if I even have ever had anybody children of my own to, you know, have any idea of how to speak to children but there you go apparently i do know how to speak to them but yeah uh but there you go must be instinctive or something but equally i know how to speak to dogs apparently i say the right i have the right calming tone uh mainly because i don't want to risk being bitten or anything i i always address them in a nice calming tone you know um i know how to appear non-aggressive to them because you know i'm actually not an aggressive person in reality and uh, I have no wish to harm any living thing apart from perhaps spiders because they're eight-legged bastards and I can't stand so I really do hate spiders um yeah uh, <laughs> but no it's one of those things but but that is the point I don't like dogs uh I know that appears to be an unpopular opinion um but there you go. I just don't like the damn things when it comes down to it. Given the choice, I'd rather not not have them come near me. I'd rather not have anything to do with the damn things. And I would very much appreciate if the people who own them actually um, kept knew how to keep proper control over them but then they're the same people who i notice also know how to control their own kids if they have children as well they run amok everywhere you know it's it's discipline it's not don't have to be cruel it's all discipline uh you know you instill it into children because you you want to instill into children is self-discipline it's a bit more difficult with an animal doing a dog but it can be done you know you can train them to understand that you know certain actions are undesirable you don't have to be cruel about it, but it can be done. Um, but people apparently don't want to do that. Too much trouble. So there you go. Um, yeah, actually, as, as a final, about people who own dogs, there are too many people, of course, who buy dogs acquire dogs have no idea how to look after them find that funnily enough they are very needy animals and require a lot of your time and attention and are expensive 
if you keep them properly, if you're going to, you know, keep up with bloody you know, veterinary bills, if you look after them properly, food is it. It's all expenses. Of course, they end up um, having to get rid of it to a dog shelter or worse, stick them out on the bloody streets. They become strays and whatever. Um, and that is something. Uh, I mean, it's not just dogs that happens with captains warm up, but dogs are the ones that cause the most nuisance um, when they're let loose like that. And um, yeah, I just don't understand the mentality of people who do that. You know, go into this apparently blind, just think, oh, it seemed like a good idea at the time to own a dog. Yeah, um, you know. I mean, the thing with cats is cats will rehome themselves. They all usually find themselves a new home somewhere. Um, so, you know, they're not such a problem. Well, some people would say they are. I personally don't find them a particular problem. But dogs can begin become a nuisance, especially when they band together stray, stray oh, feral dogs into packs and whatever. They can become a nuisance. Um, yeah, I remember, mind you, See, at one time in this country, in the UK, you used to have a dog license. If you owned a dog, you had to have a license for it, um, which cost you money. It wasn't hugely expensive, but you had to have it. And you had to renew it every year. And that did, to some extent, restrict ownership of dogs. Yeah, because it meant you did have to think about it before you actually owned one. You actually had to go to the expense of getting a license, having it licensed and so on. But then some government in the, not that long ago, not in quite the dim and distant past, but someone in the, in the past decided, oh, no, it's too much administration, etc., etc. We'll abolish that. So they did. So every Tom, Dick and Harry then acquired, started acquiring these dogs, including potentially very dangerous dogs. I say things like pit bulls and whatever. Um which are aggressive, quite vicious animals. And um, worse than that, they train them to be like that. Um, you start seeing the rise of things like bloody illicit dog fights and things, as you no longer had to be licensed to them. Yeah. But there you go. I'm rambling now, and I'm rambling on on this subject. Bottom line, I don't like dogs. But no, I, I mean, whilst as I say to defend myself, I am and I, I, I and I maintain this. I would be perfectly prepared to beat one of the buggers to death if it went for me. Um, the big ones, <laughs> I don't actually go around harming dogs or wishing harm on them. Um, but there you go. Anyway, on that unpopular note, back to you, PQ. Good stuff, good stuff. And and train your dog, for goodness sake. Uh, the dog will respect you more. And, uh, you know, when it goes for your throat, you'll say, stop, and it'll hesitate for a second, and it could save your life. So, uh, yeah, train your dog. Take the time. Pay somebody else to train the thing. I mean, you, you, you're paying how much a bag for that special chow? Oh, man, not just pets oh man and um next up we have the incredible true facts of space's master yes the master of the incredible true facts of space mr chad bowers uh and and i know he has dogs so uh, l let's find out the full story 
straight from uh, straight from Chad. There was uh, Daisy, who Michael Jones had a little dog that uh, had a lot of babies. I think his name was Mitzi, maybe. And Daisy was one of them, and I carried her home. She was a little bigger than a hot dog. I carried her home in my uh, baseball mitt. I asked my mom and dad if I could keep her, and uh, they said yes. They they couldn't say no. A year before, I had uh, I had built a robot dog out of Erector Set materials, and this doggy was a uh, a couple feet tall and a couple feet long and had wheels. And uh, I could pull him along on the sidewalk and walk him, you know. It was kind of a mechanical, uh, low-level robot dog. Then I remember we had Butch. Butch was a German shepherd mix. I remember him grabbing money out of my brother's hands and running. He would grab sandwiches out of your hand. He would... He would grab most anything you were interested in. If he saw you paying particular favor to something you'd picked up, he recognized the importance of objects. He knew you would chase him if you took off with it, and he knew that would be fun for him. At the time, I had a Honda Kick and Go. This was a type of scooter just like a regular scooter you would stand on. A wheel in the front, little handlebars and a front brake. And it also had a little kick in the back. And you'd put your foot on it, and it was ratcheted so you could kick back. And that would propel it forward. And then the little kick would spring back up, and you could kick it again. And you kicked and go. But you could get going pretty fast, but not nearly as fast as I could by harnessing Butch up and letting him just run. And he would pull me around the neighborhood easily 20 miles per hour. That dog uh, loved to run. After Butch, we had some cats. I know there were cats. Uh, Coco was one, and... We'd had one cat named Coco that died while we were on vacation. We were in Connecticut, and we were making the long road trip back, stopping at places along the way, sites, you know, things to see, touristy uh, attractions, historical sites. But what my parents had heard that... uh, that Coco had eaten, ate a, a worm, uh, some kind of bad worm, and died. Poison. Poison worm. And uh, so they were bummed, you know, they didn't want to tell us. And then on one of the last nights before getting back to Alabama, we stayed at a hotel, and uh, we found this cat. And it looked just like Coco. We thought it was Coco. This cat came up uh, to us and started hanging out. And we were begging to keep him because we thought he looks just like Coco. It could be Coco's friend. 
and uh, so my parents were in kind of a weird position, you know. They had to go ahead and tell us, well, here's a strange thing. Coco died the other day. And so we just named the cat Coco and kept him. It was the uh, the second life of Coco. And it sure seemed like Coco. My Coco Co. Yes, it did. You know, after Coco, I had a a cat named uh, Mouser or Mouse Tongue, Mousey Tongue. Get it? The uh, it was a good good Maine Coon cat. We had a couple of those. We had another one. We had a a cat. Well, it was a it was a boy cat. But my mom called it uh, Millie, or either it was a girl cat. Cat. We we had several pets where, uh, you know, the the sex of the pet was just chosen at random by my mom's uh, name preferences. I think, <laughs> but that was definitely the case with this cat. Coco uh, or Mouse Tongue was a neat cat. He would sleep under the covers with me and. He would lay on his side with his head uh, sticking out from the covers, but the rest of his body underneath, you know. I think he was copying me. And then when Laura and I first moved in together, she had a rescue kitten named Bolly Cat that she had found in the parking lot of a uh, Burger King. Burger King at one time had a, a chicken sandwich with parmesan on it and ragu sauce and it was like a chicken parm sandwich and and Laura liked that sandwich uh, so that was something we would get at the time from Burger King and her and a friend uh, before earlier time at a different Burger King this one in Montgomery she was at Auburn at the time but found this cat while with a friend uh, at a Burger King parking lot in Montgomery. And a Montgomery uh, police officer helped her get the cat out from under the car because it didn't want to come out. It was so hungry, you know. It was one of those cat situations where you feed it and it just won't stop meowing. Bolly loved popcorn. If she had popcorn popping, that would really intensely... get her mind focused. The other thing she really liked was uh, sharp things like uh, there was a cactus plant and she would put her her whiskers and her mouth and her little nose close to it and would start kind of like moving it around like trying to see how close she could smell this thing like the closer she could get to it without sticking herself the uh, the more euphoric, you know, it made her. And so she would go through this euphoria dance with the cactus where she would move in close and you'd see her little nose twitching around and she would move in and then she'd pull it back real quick when she got uh, stung by one of the needles. But she would go right back in. One of her other proclivities was a strong persuasion towards tape, masking tape, 
carton packing tape. Anything that had a sticky substance on it, she would, uh, she'd like to, like, put her lick lips to it and lick it, you know? She liked that, uh, sticky adhesive on the tapes, or, or she would lick stamps. Called her, you know, mailing letters and postcards a couple times. But this was just something that she was naturally attracted to. And it wasn't too long. Bali lived on, you know, till we moved out to Fort Worth and we were in our first house and uh, she was there for a while. She she lived with us at, at Auburn where she had her favorite window she would sit and look out of. Then the uh, Mark Apartments in Montgomery, she would look out the window. And then Amley at Fossil Creek in Fort Worth, this was the start of the Funimation adventure. Bali would look out that window and really enjoy it. And then our first house. She was actually in the first house, too. And uh, she had a great long life, you know. Beautiful, soft fur kitty. Named after the uh, the island, Bali. B-A-L-I. The Bali cat. I still think of her often. Her love of Timmy Temptations little cat treats and not too long after that we we got Lola and Chewy our two Pomeranian babies and we raised them had both of them for 13 years or so maybe maybe more like 14 15 you know inevitably they they're young and then you enjoy that middle age and then you start thinking how they're old you know that's the depressing things, our lifespans being on such different scales. It requires one to accept this inevitability of sadness that comes with any of the joy that you get. And I think it's a surprise when you're young, but as you get older, you kind of are more akin to the bittersweet nature of reality, you know, and even when the puppy's young, you're already thinking about how it's going to pass, because you've seen this happen, you know, you've been through this several times. Laura and I both, uh, mainly Laura, though, worked with rescue groups out in Dallas. Recycled Pomeranians and Skipper Keys was one, and from there we've got several now. We've got Ziggy, here beside me. He's a papillon. He's a really cool guy. You hear me feeding him dinner as I do these recordings sometimes. He likes me to take his food and make it into little pellets and smoosh it down between my fingers. He's very particular. He's not the type of doggy that'll just eat anything. He's the type of doggy that he wants you to take his little uh, freeze-dried lamb burgers and he wants you to sort of form it into a flake kind of like a frosted flake he doesn't have but one tooth and this is how ziggy uh, eats it we've we've got uh, ziggy as a rescue we've got his uh, older sister dixie she's a rescue we've had since 2013 and then we have little louie Louie's a Yorkie. 
He's about five pounds, which uh, in a Yorkie's mind means he's 50 pounds. He'll attack and kill anything, including me if I move in the middle of the night. You know, he's very protective of Laura. It's, uh, it's typical. They bond, you know, real tightly with one and protect against anything, you know. They don't want you to move even, anything that's going to take their uh, resource away. And then we've got little Dolly, who uh, we think is 13 or so. She was an old girl, you know, when we got her a couple years ago. And, uh, boy, we've been so, through some interesting adventures with her. She has some eye problems, and we were giving her drops every couple of hours for a while, you know, even at night. And uh, what else did Dolly come through? I know she's come through several... Uh, things she's had little strokes before can't walk and then she'll come back from it slowly but dogs and cats are are both wonderful creatures i think it's uh it's important to have a pet even if you're a a dog yourself or a cat yourself you probably would enjoy having a little hamster, or often dogs like to have a cat. They like to have a cat of their own, and you know they like to chase it or cuddle with it. They like to stroke its fur. Uh, you know it feels good on their paws to stroke the fur, and a lot of cats and dogs tell me that it lowers their blood pressure. It lowers their stress hormones to interact with pets which is why they choose to have them it gets complicated at the vet's office because we have an account there but then our dogs do as well for their cats so sometimes the vet will get confused over who's bringing who you know this week to the uh, the vet's office i will say for little doggies even though all together they probably 25 pounds worth of dog still still a lot of uh, a lot of upkeep and work it takes a lot of effort a lot of feeding and pottying and uh, cleaning up and vet visits and you know it keeps you occupied which which might be really important for someone like me who doesn't have kids i think that uh the way our system is uh, is kind of constructed, you need these uh, type of of entities in your life, this type of relationship of uh, taking care of this thing, and uh, and sort of the back and forth love you get from them. You know, this uh, this does something within the within our minds, which is undeniable. And it's good. It's one of the best parts about uh, about being here. You know, I've had some some good friends, and I've listened to some good music, seen some good concerts, been to worked at some great theme parks, and uh, you know, a lot of adventures. But I, I think the dogs and the cats are still. You know, right at the top of my favorite things about the planet Earth. Well, back to you, PQ. 
And I am back. Ah, oh, that was nice. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that the, that the newer dogs were rescues. Um, and my bio dad and his wife, she still, I think, has rescue animals in her home. But they did greyhounds for years. In a very small house, they would have more than one, generally. And... Yeah, that was their thing. And all of my parents and the adults in my life, first they were cat people, and when they get got older, they became dog persons. Oh, man, my mom and Jean, uh, did my other dad, um, Yorkies, sometimes it's a cairn, but they go through them in pairs, and... Yeah, I think they tend when one passes, the other one doesn't have long. But, yep, yeah, they, and it's each pair passing hits them stronger. You, uh, you don't get used to losing that kind of companionship, and they really bond with their critters. Uh, as in, I, I get close to animals, but, uh, I never have felt that i don't think and cats i've had a lot of cats but uh i've never you know you know i felt this was my cat that last siamese i mean it just it followed me around like a dog and that was just i considered that special and it made me feel oh this cat likes me who knows i fed it well i tried to treat it well and we had some sort of symbiosis until uh yeah, that it's it passed, and Miles Davis cat, uh, for whatever reason, would come, and I would feed him, and he chose to spend his last days on this earth. I mean, he, I'm pretty sure, yeah, animals know when their days are numbered, and he came to my yard, and yeah, that, but dogs, I don't know, I've never had anywhere near that close a connection with a dog. I'm more like uh, our Doc Slees or W.C. Fields, you know, as likely to, if I, nobody's looking and the thing won't shut up, give it a good punt across the room or something. But, you know, it's it, a nice dog or a puppy. You know, I, I, it's, like our good doctor, I have no malice towards an innocuous, friendly animal at all but oh boy don't start up with me little critter <laughs> and uh moving right along uh we're down to uh our um cleanup hitter here on the overnightscape central my buddy and the founder uh the benevolent founder of the overnightscape central uh the one and only frank nora let's let, let's hear uh, uh, frank nora and Dogs. In this neighborhood, you see people walking their dogs all the time up and down the street. And I wonder, as I'm sitting here on the porch now on a beautiful afternoon, sunny day, we'll probably see a few dogs go by. Now, of course, I am sick as a dog, as they say. Yes, I have a chest cold, so my voice is a bit shot. I tried recording this morning, and it, my voice was really bad, so... Well, this will have to do, I think, for the moment. Oh, here's a dog right now, our first dog of the day. Yes, walking a dog. I don't know if I know that dog. It's a little dog. 
course, one of the big things about dogs is uh, the variety in, in their, their sizes and shapes and personalities, uh, which uh, traditional knowledge says that is from their relationship with man and uh, the selective breeding that was done to dogs and maybe still is uh, for various uh, purposes of, of working. Uh, different types of jobs, uh, catching rats, uh, catching different animals, herding sheep, uh, you know, uh, what was it? There's there's also, um, you know, we have a problem. Oh, look at that cute little doggie. There's a problem here in New Jersey and elsewhere with Canadian geese. And um, there's a certain kind of dog, I think it's a border collie, that um, <coughs> that's really good at harassing geese. Like it will, it will not like try to actually uh, kill them, but it will just harass them. Whenever wherever they land, it will just sort of bark and and run. And uh, they said uh, that that only that one breed really can get it. Even being trained, no other breed can really harass geese like this one breed uh, can do. It's very interesting um, how one breed can do it, another breed can't. So they bring it to different areas, and they just harass these geese, and the geese kind of learn to avoid that area because there's an, an annoying dog there. But, uh, you know, I think that um, the nature of dogs and their relationship with humans um, I think is really something that is an indication of that morphic field theory I talk about a lot, that um, cognition and awareness and capability uh, – is based on a connection of all living things, right? And the idea is that it's not built into the genome. It's actually the genome is part of it, but that, for example, uh, dogs are connected to the minds of all other dogs in the world, right? And all other dogs in the past as well in a kind of, um, you know, so they're able to... uh, understand the world around them using the experience of all of the all of the dogs have had as a guide right so that's the idea that having a very close relationship with humans that only a few animals can now you know you cannot go out and trap a wild animal like a fox or a beaver or something like that it will never have as close a relationship to people as domesticated animals can right and I think people would normally say, oh, it's the genetics that have changed. But um, I think as years have gone on, right, the actual contents of the genes themselves cannot contain that kind of information. That it perhaps is more a code that gets you into a, a system of perception. I know I'm being awfully vague about this because... I just want to get you know make make sure the idea is out there, but the idea is that through that the weaving and building up of that relationship over the centuries and millennia, the, that um, certain animals can be domesticated to that level. Now I've never had a dog myself, which is strange because considering how much I love dogs, I get along very well with dogs. I know so many dogs that I've known so many dogs. You know, and I feel like I have a really great relationship with, with dogs. And in fact, you know, like when I first met my wife and went over to meet her family, her her family dog, Lucky, instantly, um, you know, reacted positively to me 
And they say usually she's very much angry, like when she meets men, she doesn't like men, but she really liked me when I first met her. So I, I really, t- I, I tend to, I feel like a connection with with animals and especially cats and dogs. I feel a very strong connection and birds too. A strong connection uh, with the animals. But yeah, I've never had one. Growing up, we never had a dog. We always had cats, always cats. And I'm, you know, and so I've always been a cat person. And um, I continue to this day. I honestly, I, I love my dogs of my family members and my neighbors. I know so many dogs on this street. You know, uh, Indy and Gretchen next door, Doctions. Um, <clears throat> another Lucky down the street. You know, there's Spartacus, a huge English Mastiff. Gigantic dog, bigger than you'd even think. Enormous dog, like it's massive. But what a what what a what a nice dog. Um, you know, my in laws now have Lucy, the dog. Um, yeah, my grandmother had her own Lucky and uh, and also Bella. And then when my grandmother passed away, my father and mother took Bella for a while. Well, until Bella passed away. Yeah. And of course, that's one of the sad things about dogs is their short lifespan compared to human lifespans. <clears throat> so, you know, the devastation of losing a dog or a cat, you know, is, is really huge. Um, but still, it's such a strange, unique relationship. Um, I think, you know, like they, dogs are much more close to humans in their behavior, right? They can kind of go where humans can go. You can take them for a walk. You can take them on vacation. You can drive around in the car with them. Um, cats really don't do too well in those situations and are better off with a very set location uh, where they live. They don't like going in cars and they don't like going on walks and stuff. I know people have trained their cats to do that, but it's really not very typical. Cats more train their owners than us training them. But I've also, I've often thought about, you know, this world we're living on here, Earth, being one of many worlds, right? And I know when people think about that, they usually think about other planets orbiting other stars in the galaxy or in some other galaxy, which that could be the way, and then you use interstellar spacecraft to get between them. But as a just as a working theory, I prefer to focus also on worlds that could be very close, nearby, right? Worlds that you could access through portals and uh, whole different worlds, similar but different than the one we're living in, could exist very close by, interdimensionally. It's a word, interdimensional is a word that has, you know, I think it's lost a lot of its meaning, but in, in in essence, a world that you access by moving in a higher dimensional direction. Anyway, I could imagine uh, our world and the close relationship between humans and certain animals as um, one of the hallmarks of this world, our animal companions, right? The cats, the dogs, horses, uh, goats, uh, hamsters, what have you. Um, you know, like our... and But obviously, people don't have as close a relationship with like a hamster as they do with a cat or a dog, right? But I imagine that would be one of the characteristics of this world and the humans on this world that might be a little different. 
than intelligent beings in other worlds is, is our sort of love of these companion animals. It's interesting because there are some world religions that have something to say about dogs. And I've actually was researching this unre- in unrelated to this episode a few weeks back uh, in Islam, the Muslim world. Uh, they're kind of anti-dog in that religion. And uh, it's uh, it's very sad and it was very alarming to read about that. And I was reading opinions on either side, but they're kind of anti-dog in some ways. You know, Let's just leave it at that. Whereas I believe Zoroastrianism, which is um, a very different religion, but also, well, I mean, Zoroastrianism originated in, I think, what is now Iran or Persia, what it used to be called. Um, Zoroastrianism, I think, uh, favors the dog and makes the dog as a holy animal, right? Two very different religions. And Zoroastrianism still exists. Their god is called Mazda. Yes. They worship a car. No, the car was named after the god. Come on. Ahura Mazda. I don't know if, if Judaism or Christianity have a lot to say about dogs in, in the religion itself. I don't know. But, you know, as I can see with the dog owners, I mean, it's a big responsibility having a dog. They require a lot more work than cats, even though my cats are very high-maintenance cats. They, they have a very set schedule. You know, they have their meal times, their play times, and, you know, it's a lot of work even having two cats, you know. And, uh, but I guess you could be more hands-off with cats, though I think my cats are very spoiled. Um, dogs, on the other hand, really need a lot of, um, you know, a lot of activities. And some breeds more than others um, really need, they need to be taken out for walks regularly. They need to go outside to go to the bathroom because they really haven't mastered the art of going to the bathroom in the house like cats have in those cat boxes. You don't have to train a cat. You just put a a box of sandy-type stuff in a house. They'll use that to go to the bathroom. You don't have to train them. They'll just find it and use it. It's amazing. You know, it's, again, one of those morphic field things where it feels like um, they've learned to do it because other cats have learned to do it, and they're connected to that field. And I noticed, you know, with like my cats and other cats I've had, you know, their mannerisms, their behaviors, you know, the way they start cleaning themselves, even in the middle of doing something else, um, are these behaviors that feel like uh, part of a pattern, you know. And I think to say it's all in the gene- in the genetic code doesn't tell the complete story. And you know, when we were in uh, Chattanooga a few weeks ago, we saw. A dog frisbee contest, right? Where um, <clears throat> you know you were throwing a frisbee for for a dog, and them catching it and bringing it back. And dogs love being in that kind of a uh, uh, competition. What's not so nice are the dog races, like the greyhound races. That that seemed more like animal abuse. I never saw anything like that in person. I don't. I don't know if that's even still happening. If anywhere, it's probably still happening in Florida. All that kind of stuff still happens in Florida. Some dogs, of course, uh, get a bad rap, like the uh, pit bulls, which uh, can be a very, apparently a very gentle, nice breed, as long as it's raised properly. But uh, in the absence of that, it can be a very violent and brutal dog, and it's illegal in some areas. 
Yeah, the, the wide variety of dogs is so interesting. Um, I often use it as a comparison, talking about my theory of uh, human origins and how we're a variant humanoid, kind of like there's very large dogs and very small dogs. There's larger humanoids and smaller humanoids, and we'd be among the smaller ones, the Anunnaki being quite a bit larger than us, 10 to 15 feet tall, perhaps. Um, But, of course, there's no proof for that. But anyway, also those dog shows, as I think on the recent terrible television and movies episode of Central, right, I did run across a dog show, and it was uh, always very interesting to watch. The dogs do seem to be having a good time. I don't think they don't... It doesn't feel like animal abuse. It feels like they're actually having fun uh, do, doing what they're doing because it's a very strong interaction with their their people. So, But I guess when it comes to uh, purebred dogs, because any two dogs apparently can mate and produce offspring that will be kind of an average of the look and personality of the two breeds... But to maintain the purity of certain breeds, there's a lot of inbreeding, um, mating of, I don't know how close they do, brothers and sisters, cousins, mothers and children. I don't know exactly how it works. I'm not a dog breeder. But apparently that can, as in humans, lead to uh, amplification of genetic deficiencies. Um, certain breeds, like a, a certain bulldogs, uh, have difficulties because of the shape that they're in. And uh, maybe those breeds went too far in terms of uh, trying to accentuate a certain trait. I mean, I know I've seen theories on how this all got started with, uh, um, you know, started off with like wolves that were uh, domesticated for hunting purposes and then started to be specialized in the selective breeding uh, programs. I don't know, though. I mean, I guess just at an intuitive level, um, you you can turn a wolf into, into adoption over X number of generations of selective breeding. Yeah, I don't know. It just, there seems like there's something we're missing here. Um, or maybe... It's an aspect of the morphic field in that theory that responds to uh, will, like human will. This is the first time I've actually thought of this, that human willpower can um, influence the morphic field in that way. Yeah, because I don't know. I mean, I'd have to look into it further, but, right, it doesn't necessarily seem that it would be that easy to or even that possible to change a wolf into, like, a chihuahua, you know? I know we're talking about tens of thousands of generations. And I know you're saying the wolves that are a little bit smaller than other wolves find a male and female that are a little bit smaller than other wolves and breed them together, and then you get a bit of a smaller wolf. And keep doing that, you know. We're talking about thousands of years here. Dogs can start breeding at, what, a year old or two, right? So thousands of generations, tens of thousands. I don't know. Something doesn't seem right to me. Something doesn't add up. Seems mysterious.
I mean, why couldn't the same thing have happened with cats, you know? The house cat is pretty much, you know, there's slight variations like the Maine Coon, the Calico. But in general, they don't have the wild variety that dogs have. What am I hearing in the distance? Some weird... I think those are squirrels. Is that a squirrel? But then I hear like a baseball game or something. Can you hear it? I don't know. Weird. I heard that the other day, too. I think it's a squirrel mating call or something. But we're not talking about squirrels. We're talking about dogs. And, of course, dogs in pop culture, huge field, right? Um, I just saw, I saw, when I went down to that puppet museum in, Atl- in Atlanta, I saw uh, some dogs. I saw uh, they had a, a, a Ralph you know, one of the original Muppets from the 1950s, actually. The brown dog Muppet, you know. And uh, there was also this Fraggle Rock dog. But then there was another dog that was kind of a realistic puppet dog that was from something called, I think, the Storyteller. Yeah. And, of course, in the, in the, in the realm of uh, puppet dogs, of course, one of the banana splits, Flegel the dog. Yes. You know, the banana splits. Comic strips, of course. There's a lot of dogs. Marmaduke. That's one of those larger dogs. What was Marmaduke? Like a... Uh, I can't think of the breed right now. Um, a large dog, though. Then also, um, of course, Crazy Cat had Officer Pup, the dog police officer. And uh, Mother Goose and Grim. Grim was a dog. There's a lot of dogs. And, of course, how can we forget Snoopy? Yes, one of the biggest dogs of the comic strips. Any more comic strip dogs I'm missing here? Yeah, Fred Bassett. I've seen that one. <laughs> Howard Huge. Okay, I may have seen that one. There's a lot of them that I haven't seen, though. They do mention Mother Goose and Grimm, though. Yeah. Of course, The Angriest Dog in the World by uh, David Lynch. He's an angry black dog stuck in one position tied to a pole. Yes. Family Circus has their dog, Barfy. I never knew that was his name. His name is really Barfy. What, does he barf all the time? Belvedere? Was that that a comic strip? I think so. Of course, the dog, Odie, from from Garfield. Just, Just so many, so many... Dogs in the comic strips, cartoon dogs, because we can relate to dogs as uh, they're usually more, they can usually have the power of speech or at least thought bubbles in the comics that they they don't really have in real life. I wonder if anyone listening to this show in like another dimension even knows that dogs really can't talk like people can, though they communicate through other means. Um, They don't talk like they do in the comic strips or in certain movies. Dogs don't talk. Just want to let you know if you're living in another dimension or if you've been living in a cave. You don't, you may not know. Well, you might take us. Someone was just watching our TV shows. They might think animals can talk. And I think they used to be able to talk in the world, right? Like there's a lot of myths and legends where people and animals could talk to each other. But then something happened that changed things and humans and animals no, could no longer talk to each other using words, that is. 
It's quite a bit of uh, <clears throat> music with uh, dogs involved. Three Dog Night, of course, was a band, and also Temple of the Dog. Uh, they only have one song that I know, uh, Hunger Strike. Eddie Vedder doing the from Pearl Jam doing the the vocals. I don't mind stealing bread from the mouths of decadence. I'm going hungry. See my my voice, my 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 sick as a dog voice uh, kind of suits that. I'm going hungry. I'm going hungry. Yes. Also, a great song by Kate Bush, who's having a resurgence in popularity popularity now because of uh, Stranger Things. The hounds of love are calling. Yes. Hounds of love. Of course, the classic uh, Sherlock Holmes story, The Hound of the Baskervilles, of course. A lot of hound-related stuff. Huckleberry Hound, of course, the blue dog. Um, and then there was this, uh, I thought it was really cool that, uh, you know, when the... Uh, NFL, the National Football League, we were just talking about that last time, when they um, <clears throat> when they uh, when there was going to be an expansion team, uh, Memphis wanted to do the Memphis Hound Dogs because of uh, the Elvis Presley song You ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time right, but they never were able to make the the Hound Dogs unfortunately but there was a uh, I think it was Arena Football around here. It was called the, the New Jersey Red Dogs. And they were sponsored by Red Dog Beer. It was a whole thing. I think it was made by Anaheim, you know, not Anaheim, Anheuser-Busch or uh, Miller or one of the big brewing companies. But they were trying to be more of an indie beer. Red Dog, remember Red Dog Beer? And I think there is still, isn't there still like a Red Dogs soccer team? Maybe in Jersey City? I think that's possible. I know there were the Memphis uh, Mad Dogs in one of those. Yeah, one of those uh, football leagues, maybe the XFL, the Mad Dogs, something like that, some kind of dogs, dog-based sports teams. We don't count wolves. Wolves are uh, not dogs. In you know. this definition, they're not dogs. And what was that thing, the Plague Dogs? I, I never knew what that was, but it was sort of, I remember it was a sequel to Watership Down, which was about rabbits. I think the same guy wrote a book about dogs called Plague Dogs, but I I don't know if I ever really got into that one. But of course, uh, Hanna-Barbera animated television shows have a huge number of dogs. And just to name a few, of course, Hong Kong Fooey, one of the best, of course. Hong Kong Fooey could be Augie Doggy and Daddy. Right, I used to watch that one. Uh, Bandit, of course, from uh, Johnny Quest. Woofer and Whimper from Clue Club. I was talking about Clue Club a while back. Mildew Wolf. Uh, I would know him more from uh, Laugh Olympics, where he was the co-host with uh, Snagglepuss. I think he was he was voiced by uh, Paul Lind. Mildew Wolf. Hello, I'm Mildew Wolf. Yes, one of the more obscure. Uh, characters out there. And of course, uh, the mumbly, Muttley situation that I talked about recently on my show. Uh, Muttley, of course, was the assistant to Dick Dastardly uh, in uh, Wacky Races and I think one other show. And then uh, 
Mumbly was created as, as, as the assistant to the Dread Baron, perhaps for legal reasons. And there's Deputy Dog, right? Um, Dino from uh, the Flintstones was an, actually a, a dinosaur, but meant to be like a dog. And Astro from the Jetsons is a dog, right? And you may remember the... Uh, there's people coming. Any dogs coming? I don't know. You may remember um, in the in the dark recesses of the archive here, the Ansug, the Astro in the Rye, a version of the Catcher in the Rye that stars Astro from the Jetsons instead of whatever the guy's name was. <laughs> and of course, how can we forget one of the biggest dogs in pop culture, Scooby-Doo. It's another feature of Talking dogs, they talk, but very poorly. And the, uh, his, uh, unintelligent cousin, Scooby Dumb, and of course his hyper-intelligent nephew, uh, Scrappy-Doo, the very controversial Scrappy-Doo. Um, course in in the world of music again uh there's a, a there's a song an obscure 80s song that i do have to bring up here of course which is an earworm once you hear it you won't it'll be hard to get out of your head dog police of course i think we can hear a little bit of it here <clears throat> you know i i did not see this video in when it came out in 1983 but somehow i found it and it, it's sort of, it's these guys dressed up as dogs, but I guess it's about, the subtext is like, uh, as a dog, as like an, an ugly person that you go on a date with, a, oh, that person's a dog, they're ugly, you know. But whatever happened to these guys? They're like a no-hit wonder, but I, can, I would consider this a hit. I've done so much research on this group, and I've found very little. Is this even copyrighted? I, I suppose even this song could be copyrighted. Yeah. We'll just get to the chorus here. I know it takes a while on this song. We, we heard it in the beginning, though. Yes, dog police. Nobody knows who you are. Oh, look, the history of dog police. Wow. From basement tape to cult classic. Oh, there's a whole... Th 
Wow. Really? <coughs> it takes a long time and a lot of hard work for a band to put it all together. It's a long haul to the top. It's April 11th, 1984, and on MTV, they are showing one of their late night programs. Only one in a million gets that big break. Known as the Basement Tapes, it was one of the channel shows that aired monthly. The premise was a battle with the band's competition, of which small-time bands would submit music videos to the show for a chance to compete in the semifinals. They were acts that were not signed to a major record label. Amateur oh, interesting. To make it to the this was released four months ago. Finally, history of dog police. The grand prize of winning the program would have them be signed onto EMI, as well as $25,000 in equipment. <laughs> if you have better fingers that uh, you need to get Yamaha fingers and it was during this Wednesday night episode of the contest that another batch of musicians compete with one another to become the victor one of these music videos definitely stood out among the rest you could even say that this band had really gone to the dogs <laughs> Once again, music video time, a series dedicated to all things music videos. And what you are looking at is Dog Police. And they are performing one of their songs, also known as Dog Police. What? What? They have other songs? I, I can't imagine. It is glorious. Have you considered going solar in New Jersey? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. All right, enough of that. You can seek that out on your own on the old YouTube to learn the history. I, I'm going to learn more about that. That'd be a cool show to watch. I don't really remember that that video show. I'd like to see that. Super obscure videos. That sounds good. Any more dog-related things? Yes, of course. I, in my failed science fiction novel, Severe Repair, had dog hounds. Giant time-traveling dogs you could ride to travel through time. thought that was kind of a cool concept. Too bad it was a failed science fiction novel and not a successful one. I remember there was a comic book series called Teen Dog a few years back that was meant to be sort of like all things 80s. I read about it. I never read it, though. I, I saw listings for it. It looked interesting. How about that dog? Take a bite out of crime. Was it McGruff? Those, uh, those public service announcements? It's McGruff. Take a bite out of crime. How about Deputy Dog? What was that all about? That was another cartoon character. It was a dog. It was a deputy, though. And, of course, more recently, Blue's Clues, a show that, uh, a children's show that I was way too old for when it came out, and I never got into it. Um, but I know a whole generation probably loves Blue's Clues. It's this blue cartoon dog and some annoying, like, some annoying dude trying to find clues in a house or something. I don't know. I never watched it, actually. The Bloodhound Gang? What was that? Well, I know they were a band. Was that the band that had You and me, baby, we ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Oh, man, my voice is completely shot. What the hell? No, I think that's about it. I think I got to all my notes here. A lot of dog-related stuff. As an update to uh, last week's uh, baseball and football topic, um, the Mets are out. They lost the uh, the wild card uh, series. 
And last night, I just randomly came upon a game that I think tied some records, uh, 18 innings. The Houston Astros beat the Seattle Mariners uh, to, to advance. So let's see. Let's get a baseball update here from last week. Let's see what who's currently in the running. I also saw a football game. I saw the end of uh, the Washington Commanders versus Chicago Bears. And uh, it was a low-scoring game. But at the very end, there was one final play, a pass to the end zone by the Bears. It was almost a touchdown, but it just missed it by oh, slightly. So the, the Commanders actually won. Let me get the update here. All right, after last night's games, it looks like the American League Series, the American League Championship Series will be Houston Astros will play either Cleveland Guardians, no longer the Indians, or the New York Yankees. And look, Cleveland leads 2-1. to one. Wow. Oh, my God, I really hate the Yankees, and I would love to see Cleveland, who I don't think has had a World Series since win since the 1950s. Cleveland Guardians. It's, it'll be their reward for uh, changing their name from an Indian name to a, a, a generic name. Wow, they lead the series, uh, the division series, 2-1. to one. Wow, I did not know that. Oh, man, I have to watch that one. See, I'm into baseball. Cleveland can do it. Come on. F the Yankees. And the National League Championship Series will between the, the Phillies and the Padres. Wow. Those don't seem like typical teams in the playoffs. Wow. That'd be cool, man. Imagine, like, the Guardians versus the Phillies or the Guardians versus the Padres. That'd be kind of cool. See, I'm with it. I'm into sports, damn it. little update from last week. But anyway, yes. Dogs. I do love dogs, but I do not have any plans of getting a dog of my own. I am really not a dog person. I, you know, very much enjoy playing with dogs and interacting with dogs that other people own, but it's just not part of my lifestyle or my personality to have a dog. Um, I'm more of a cat person. I love cats. It's kind of a different sensibility. It's a little bit of a different vibe, but... In the end, we love our furry critters, and it's a, it's a very special relationship between man and beast. Anyways, I think I better give my voice a rest. As you can tell, I'm struggling here. So I'd like to say, bark to you, PQ. <laughs> oh, man. Bark to me. Oh, yeah, that was a gotcha. Oh, boy. Uh, go Cleveland. Rah, rah. Yeah, I might even watch a baseball game. Uh, if the timing is right and I can catch it someplace on my YouTube crap, uh, even if it's just listening to a radio, you know, play-by-play. The -play, uh, Yankees losing, that that's a big thing. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, there was a time that, that the Yankees might have meant something, but anyways, Mr. Chesty Nora. Yeah, uh, as far as animal companions go, I don't know why, but lately 
crows. I, 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 I stop, I talk to them. Uh, the older ones, I, I mean, they, and they're very migratory. I don't know where, what their cycle is, but certain times of year, certain crows are here. And other times of year, it really seems like there are different ones. But uh, I'm going to follow up on this, uh, the crows, so to speak. I mean, some of them seem to recognize me, but I'm not sure about that, that this could be an illusion on wishful thinking on my part. And foxes here, uh, that, no, I don't really interact with them, but it really is every once in a while... I am close enough that I see them crossing the street or I, as the one time I walked up on a few of them and we were only a few feet apart. We just kind of, I stood there and looked at them and talked to them for a second and turned around and walked away and they didn't even, I did not, I mean, I'm sure I shocked them. I mean, we were both had these looks on our faces uh, as we came upon each other. But yeah, foxes are cool. And, um, yeah, the dog police, that's what we need. That dog police thing was just so, I guess, what's the word? Viral, vital, viral, one or the other. But, but that that's just fun stuff. And, 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 and deputy dog, that's one of my earliest, like, characters that I identified with which segues into what uh, next week's topic is which is characters of all sorts real imagined commercial uh, but characters I think is what we should talk about uh, next week right here on the Overnightscape Central and as ever you are invited and uh, let's take a moment and very much thank Dave and, and Doc and Chad and Frank for uh, taking up the invitation this week and making this another in this fine series of internet transmissions uh, that I have the privilege of hosting and curating. Well, not so much curating. Uh, if you're nervous about contributing here, I don't censor. I have... It's just do your thing. Uh, tell us about some characters. If you're a character, tell us about yourself. And, um, yep, the email address for your participation, which you should have, like, written somewhere, because you never know when you want to send something to the Overnightscape Central. Well, that's kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Once again, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And uh, the deadline for the next show is late on the 25th of October, 2022, or if you get it to me early on the 26th, uh, you should be fine. Um, and talk about characters or use the subject characters as a hook to talk about whatever's on your mind that has been done here before and will be done here again. And oh, what, what, a, what, what a great show. And what a pleasure it was to be here this time around as it usually. Ooh, a little hiccup there little hiccup in the work go cleveland uh and uh with any luck we will catch you here not only 
listening next week, but perhaps you'll have something to say, and I'll be watching. I'll be watching for you. And uh, as always, in the meantime, set the controls for the heart of the fun.